Hello and welcome to I Can Always Do Something Stupid. I'm Catherine and I am an inclusive and accessible yoga teacher and movement coach that helps people move and feel better within their bodies and themselves as a whole. And I'm here to chat and talk shit about all the stupid things we do, think and say. How we let them limit us, define us, how human it is and how fun doing stupid shit can be. Nobody is perfect and growing up is overrated. So join me as we delve into all things stupid. So on today's episode, we have the beautiful Rachel Wilson. She is a life coach and an all-round awesome chick. We will be discussing a bit about her spiritual journey, enlightenment goals, and how she went from hating her corporate life to living life as a self-professed hippie surfer chick. Not that she likes to call herself a surfer chick, (laughs) but she does surf. Um... But now she's doing the whole life coaching thing, which I think is absolutely perfect for her as we have been friends since high school and boy, has she lived a life and she's just one of those people that is really beautiful and accepting to talk to. So yeah, let's dive in and you can get to know a bit about Rachel. Hey Rachel, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> All right. So obviously we we had a bit of a pre-chat. Um, yes. And we're going to dig in um, into a bit about your story and a bit about your journey that you've had with some limiting beliefs. So go for it. Dive in. <laughs> okay. Um, so we were having a bit of a chat about when I first started on the spiritual path in my twenties or when I was 20 years old, um, I was experiencing a lot of physical aches and pains in my body. And I couldn't find a reason for that after going to lots of GPs. Um, There was nothing. They kept telling me there's nothing wrong with me. So I found that really frustrating. (laughs) And, um, I decided that it was most likely then something psychosomatic. So I did have a lot of childhood trauma and I believe that perhaps it was past trauma lodged in my manifesting as physical pain. Uh, So I ended up going to my very first meditation class and I began this journey um, I didn't know, I didn't realise the depths (laughs) that I would fall into. And honestly, when I look back, it was, I mean, it's been 20 years since I first began with meditation. Wow. And when I look back, I think if someone had told me how long and arduous the road would be, I probably would never have started. (laughs) But at this point in time, Looking back, it is the most rewarding. I feel like the most blessed and lucky person alive to have started on that journey and I wouldn't take it back for the world. But uh, I guess where we had our little pre-chat, I was talking about at some point I discovered the um, yoga movement And probably when I was about 22 and I started going to ashrams 
and I started um, learning from masters. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and I, it, it's funny, <laughs> from the Swamis in Australia. And, yep. um, but look, I did encounter some incredible teachers. But this weird little side effect happened that I had this belief that I just picked up somewhere that I had to be stoic and resilient and I had to somehow transmute my suffering and put up with difficult situations. Mm. You know, and, and I had to be, um, there was also this belief that I had to be perfectly balanced and equanimous in all of my life experience and only then could I move on from anything that wasn't serving me. Wow. And I've seen a lot of people, sorry. No, I'm like just, that's that's a lot to... Um... It feels like a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it is completely backwards, but it's weirdly, I've noticed a lot of people um, also inadvertently ending up with that mindset mm. when they embark on a spiritual journey because the ultimate goal in those particular teachings is to become enlightened. Yeah. And I suppose it's and so, all the rage as well, isn't it? Like that's how it's advertised. It's sold to us like that. Yeah. But that this, but that it's a really good business model, right? Because they tell you, they don't do this on purpose, I don't think, but you get this impression the goal is to become enlightened. And I'll talk about that being a goal <laughs> later. It's, it's a funny one to have as a goal. But the goal is to become enlightened. And then when you suggest that to anybody, they laugh at you as if it's ridiculous, right? So the goal is to become enlightened, but nobody actually believes it's achievable. So you've got this really good business model because people are always going to keep coming back because they don't believe they can be enlightened, but they really, really, really want to be enlightened. Mm. But they really, really don't believe they can have it. So they've got their own preset limiting belief while doing the thing that they're trying to achieve, but already limiting themselves to achieving it. (laughs) And so then keep paying money to achieve the thing that they don't think they can have. Yeah, and, and look, it was it was a wonderful experience having said that, like pointing out that little little flaw. Um, I loved all of my time that I spent at the ashram and the yoga asana and the meditation and everything was amazing. And it really does take you to a state of deep inner peace. Mm. Um, ultimately, the processes do work. But it was just funny that there were some people, and I don't know if it works for them or not, if they don't believe in it, because the thing of the, the fact of the matter is, in many ways, you are already enlightened. Mm. You're just not aware of it. There's just thoughts and beliefs that get in the way of you seeing your enlightenment. Yep. And and different people have different amounts of thoughts, don't they? Really? Like, yeah, that's I exactly right. Some people are. I think some people are, I have, I've met people that they seem to have been put on this earth with a lot less shit, you know. <laughs> they travel light. They're, yeah, they've just, they've walked onto this planet and they've just got, you know, no fucks to give basically about, um, you know, worries about physical appearance, about what job they have, about expectations. Like there's, they've just almost walking around quite blissfully and, open-heartedly and you know sometimes you want to just go 
How? You're 19, mate. Like, how... <laughs> how are you... How? How, <laughs> how aren't you a yeah. case like the rest of the 19-year-olds out there? <laughs> those people are incredible people. There's, I'm finding a lot more of those people and um, my fiancé, Charlie, is one of them. I met him when he was 23 and he was exactly that, like this 19-year-old that you use in your example. How are you like that? Mm. He's one of those people. Can you answer and, that um, question for us? <laughs> Do you want me to no. enlist his services? <laughs> if, he, if he's actually enlightened enough to actually answer the question. So. <laughs> well, I think he would probably tell you that he had a really good upbringing uh, and he spent a lot of time with amazing adults. His parents are incredible people. They're very open-minded mm. uh, and they're very aware people. And they're also very, he spent most of his childhood travelling and out in nature and being homeschooled because he, they were never in one place long enough to go to any particular school for very long. So much, much of his um, schooling and his education was out in nature. That's amazing. So I don't know if nature is a really good teacher, perhaps. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's schools out there that I've seen that are that way inclined they get the students out and they do more activities rather than just sitting them behind a desk and if they are sitting Mm. they might be sitting outside and studying outside and they don't have a lot of homework it's all very you know nature nurture kind of thing where these students thrive very expensive schools by the way because obviously it's a lot I don't know why you know, public schools and all that sort of stuff. They spend a lot of money to stick a lot of kids in a room and, mm. and strap them down to a desk. And, yeah, it's just... It doesn't suit everybody. And the environment, obviously, at school is... We're, we're influenced by everything from our family, from the school environment, from the media. So I suppose being homeschooled, being brought up in nature, you don't have all those negative... Things being thrown at you constantly throughout the day. Yeah. So that could. Yeah, and I mean that's quite overwhelming. What was that? Sorry. I said that could be, you know, why nature's a bit more friendly because animals rock, you know. Yeah, and they're incredibly look. They they are, in my opinion. You're looking into the mind of the creator mm. when you're observing nature from a, a state of presence you're getting an insight into the mind of the creator and and the amount that I have learned through watching and observing and spending time immersed in nature has been just, it's been amazing. Yeah. The journey that I've had there. Um, So maybe that's why he's a, (laughs) he is like he is, travels light. Yeah. So do you feel like the lifestyle, obviously your lifestyle changed throughout the years. You did your uni and you did, you tried to do your corporate job mm. and none of those really landed. So what point did you find that shift where, yeah, yeah. How did you so that, that realisation for me came. So I did what I was supposed to do, what my parents expected of me. And I went to uni and I got the job in my field and I was working for a food company in Sydney and it was an entry-level position. 
where I was taking inquiries, it felt like majority complaints. Mm. However, it wasn't. It turns out my boss revealed the stats to us and it was actually not the majority complaints, but that's how it felt because that's what stood out to us when we were working. And so then I was doing the Western Sydney commute in that awful traffic with lots of road rage and um, look, it was a, it was quite a, an eye-opener for me to see adults behaving so badly and I was very sensitive and I felt quite upset at a lot of what I was seeing and I was quite miserable. I was caught up in it all. I was caught up in my thoughts about those situations and I was spending the majority of my time either at work or commuting to and from to pay for a car that I needed to get to a job to pay for a house that I was rarely ever at. And I remember thinking, well, that's all just backwards. Mm. That doesn't make any sense at all. Why am I doing this? I don't, I, I hate my life. That's where I was at. And that was when I just, I started getting sick. <laughs> oh. yeah. I started having sickies a lot because I just couldn't bear the thought of going to work. And I was like, something has to change. Uh, so that was the moment of making that decision to change something. But then, and this is where a lot of people get stuck, right, because you've got bills to pay. If I quit my job, then what? I need another job. How am I going to live? How am I going to buy food? What, what next? So, look, those thoughts went through my head and it wasn't until I made a preemptive emotional shift and made the best of a bad situation that an answer finally came. And the way that I did it was that I would, I decided I'm grown up. I'm a single woman living at home and there is a bit of wiggle room within my situation. I started getting up because the Western Sydney commute, the drive to work was just out of hand and it was one of the big stressors that was in my life. And I was like, if I can get rid of that, then that goes a long way towards my mental health. So I started getting up at about, I think it was about 5.30 and I'd drive down to Penrith Pool mm-hmm. and I'd swim 20 laps of the 50-metre pool. So I'd do my kilometre swim and I'd do it through winter. It'd be dark and there'd be steam rising up off the pool in the mornings and it was just beautiful. And I'd do my 20 laps and I'd jump back in my car, no traffic on the road, drive to the office they had the best shower there. Great big fat shower head with loads of hot water. It was better than my apartment at home. So I'd have a shower at work. I'd have I'd get ready for work, have breakfast, cup of tea, just take my time, chill out, get the office fired up, all the computers ready to go. And it was relaxing. I started loving my mornings. I would take my one-hour lunch break instead of working through it because, you know, Aussies, we've got to work hard and it's a badge of honour to work through your lunch break. And my workmates gave me crap mm. for doing that. And I just went, you know what, I need this for my mental health. So I took my one-hour lunch break. I'd read Eckhart Tolle. I'd read Sanaya Roman. I would read all these amazing teachers and I'd go back to the office feeling refreshed. Um. And then I, before I would go home, I couldn't really avoid the commute on the way home. So I would just get changed into something nice. Instead of wearing my office clothes, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wear a nice summer dress or just something comfortable. And so I'm off the clock now. I'm going to play some nice music and I'm going to relax and I'm going to enjoy watching all the people playing dodge and cars on the way home. 
and just occasionally swerve and slam my foot on the brakes <laughs> to avoid having a crash. Um, <laughs> in your nice summer dress. And in my nice summer dress. Well, when summer came around, so I did this for quite a while. So I did it through winter and into summer. And um, when summer came around, I was like, you know what? It's a beautiful evening. I'm not going straight home. I'm not going to cook dinner tonight. I'm just going to get a chicken mm-hmm. <laughs> from Coles. I, I wouldn't do that now. I'm a very healthy eater now. But it, at the time, I was like, you know, this is what I need to do. Mm. Forget dinner. I don't need to have dinner. I'm going to have a punnet of blueberries and a mango for dinner. But I'm going to go somewhere and I'm going to do something fun. I'm going to go for a swim in the river. I'm going to go to my favourite lookout, something, anything. And it was one day when I, I saw this beautiful big sort of storm clouds forming when I was driving back home to the mountains and um, I was like wow there's going to be a really good sunset so I got off and went out to Latson um, lookout it's beautiful I had this beautiful outlook and it was extraordinary there was this great big storm there was sunset colors rainbows you name it it was amazing and I was sitting there dangling my feet off the railing um, and a man came up to me and he said to me, do you know how far down that is? And I said, oh, I know about 400 metres. He's like, you're not going to survive that if you fall. And I was like, all right. I said, I'm in the circus, you know. <laughs> anyway, that's a story for another time. <laughs> so we got to talking and it turns out that he was a TAFE um, industrial height safety teacher. And, um, and I told him about my hobbies and I told him about my work situation and I told him how I wanted to change, but I didn't know what. And he said, well, there's this course you might be interested in. It's called Outdoor Recreation at Blue Mountains TAFE. You should look into it. And I did. Mm. And I knew that was what I wanted to do. And I was so happy when I handed in my resignation. And since then, I have been a full-time hippie. <laughs> best decision ever yeah it was I mean definitely had um gosh that course was great for personal growth it was amazing it was very challenging it was extraordinary Mm. but it was that moment was what started me on a path of I guess freedom from those shackles and and also I had to make a decision um throughout my spiritual development too that I actually don't need to put up with a bad situation and suffer Mm which was my job and I was suffering and I didn't have to be stoic and stick it out and suffer in that situation until I became enlightened and and mastered it. (laughs) And I suppose working out what your priorities really were at the end of the day. Yeah. Is it having that badge of honour of I've got the corporate job and I'm always busy and I conquered um, all my my things and became enlightened or... You know, do I want a bit more freedom and joy and hippie? (laughs) (laughs) Hippie life. Hippie life. Well, the time in nature was something that I was extremely drawn to. Mm. Uh, But TAFE kept us busy enough that we didn't really get the opportunity to even look at a tree much. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right. You're making up for it. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely making up for lost time now. Um, But, yeah, it wasn't until I made that emotional shift where I said, you know what, I don't need to suffer 
I'm going to find the wiggle room in my situation. I'm going to find the feeling that I already want to have. I'm going to look at where I am free because I wanted freedom. So I'm going to look at where I, where I do have freedom already. And if it meant getting up at some ridiculous hour to capitalize upon that freedom, that's what I did. That's what I had to do. And, and that's when the shift finally came. And so I guess the key there that I really want to point out is that I found the feeling of it first, yep. of what I wanted to achieve first. And that is when I became open to receiving the answer. I like it. And obviously you think the work you've done, the years building up with the meditation and the self-inquiry and stuff like that mm. obviously got you in a position to be more accepting of the answer as well. Yes. Well, I think it actually helped me to realise that something was amiss. It helped because the more you uh, meditate and like you would know as well through yoga, any state that you practice regularly will start to become your default. So if we, a lot of us, I think in Western society are raised believing that if we complain about things a lot, it will cause change. So when we don't like something, we, we waste a lot of time complaining about it. But actually that might work on some parents when you're young. You know, when you complain and complain and complain, they finally go, oh, fine, you can have your lollipop or whatever. But as adults, look, it does work a little bit, but at some point that complaining process infiltrates your mind and it doesn't serve you. It only acts to, uh, it basically just causes you to become upset with your situations rather than becoming proactive and it's good to recognize no I don't like this situation but then once you've done that you need to let go of the complaining and go okay I need to accept that this is how it is right now and if I'm going to change it I need to do so from a space of uh, inner non-resistance or inner acceptance. Mm. So you no longer felt that fear or aversion to leaving I suppose, the safe job to go for something a bit more risky? Well, yeah. So it, it basically what happened was I was practising such a beautiful and peaceful state so regularly that anything other than that became intolerable. Mm. And so, yeah, that gave me the push that I need to get over that fear. Exactly. That that just... the. The intolerance of being in an energy or a, an emotional state that was out of alignment with what I knew could be my inner state, which was the peace and the bliss. Anything that was taking me away from that was becoming quite intolerable to me. Mm. Um, but since then, I have actually had roles where I've had I've ended up being complaints handling, uh, unofficially appointed complaints handler, and. I mean, I was a lot younger then when I had that first entry-level job. And weirdly, as soon as I let go of all of that and decided I don't need this to suffer, when I received complaints in my new roles, I didn't experience the resistance and the difficulty that I had before. I found myself being 100% embodied and present with the people who were complaining. And the complaints seemed to just dissolve. The people complaining were very happy and pleased and it was just a complete it was a complete turnaround for me as a person and i started loving receiving complaints from people 
<laughs> that's a big shift. <laughs> Very big one. It's complete turnaround. And the, and the weird thing is I didn't do anything for that shift to happen. Mm. I just decided to let go of the struggle. Yeah. And the resistance. That's pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah, but it's not, it's not something that happens overnight, people. So, <laughs> well, you say? it 20 could. Years? <laughs> Twenty years. Twenty years. <laughs> not like the Pantene. Uh, look, it doesn't. It won't happen overnight. The Pantene. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great logo for enlightenment, isn't it? I can't believe Pantene stole that one. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Are they still using it? Maybe we can. We can maybe we, we can, can um, patent. That one, we'll just like swap over the patent, put our names on it. No, look, um, it can happen quicker than that for people. I don't, but look, like I said, oh, well, can we address the goal thing now? Enlightenment being a goal, it can happen for people faster than that. And you will experience moments or glimpses of mm. enlightenment. Everybody will. When you start meditating and practicing yoga, you will experience glimpses of enlightenment. And they call it, I think they call it samadhi. Yeah, samadhi, yeah. Yeah. And so, look, the mo- every little glimpse you have of that, this is the problem though, is that sometimes you expect it to last. It happened to me a few times when I was a lot younger and just went, no, where did it go? I wanted to come back. And then you lament the loss of, <laughs> of your little glimpse of enlightenment. Yeah. Right? So that's just complete. I mean, that's just um, a bit of a catch-22 there. You can't make it into a goal and it perhaps have it as an intention. Look, you can have it as an intention. Like, yeah, that would be cool, but be really easy about it because the moment you make it into a goal, it will elude you. Uh, but the moment you just start right here, right now, right where you are and accept yourself exactly as you are, that is when something deeper and real emerges that is peaceful beyond measure and it's beyond happiness Mm. and but that can't be your goal you just have to be where you are if you've got pain right now be there with it if you're suffering right now be there with it if you're angry right now be there with it if you're depressed right now be there with it and look at it allow it to be just like the people who are complaining all they wanted was to be heard and those emotions that's all they want they just want to be heard and they will transform in the light of your awareness. Hmm. Sounds simple. <laughs> but sometimes <laughs> just that step takes a bit of work. Yeah, it can take practice. Hmm. I, I, like the, I like the word practice. Practice is, is, is a good way to put it, yeah. Sometimes it's just work until it becomes a practice. So. <laughs> <laughs> Do the work. Do you the can work. do the work. Do the work to make it a practice <laughs> and then it does have that flow on effect of it's almost like a habitual thing that you, you build in those patterns and it gets a little easier each time and you might fall off the exactly. wagon and then you just get back on and practice again and, yeah, it's not sort That's of exactly that it. linear thing. No. Yeah. It isn't. And sometimes you do feel as though you're going backwards with that. I, I remember uh, probably around about the age of 26 or so, I remember having a bit of a, an emotional crisis and feeling like I'd gone backwards in my spiritual evolution. But I don't think you ever really do. 
I think that um, it's just an illusion. Mm. You just uncover more and become more aware. And so sometimes when you see those new things, you go, oh, no, I didn't know that was there. <laughs> and <laughs> I thought I was done with that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've definitely had that. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit, I'm still working on that thing. Okay. Yeah. Oh, here you are again, old friend. Yeah. yeah. Um. I, I kind of figure it's like a roller coaster that has lots of loop-de-loops. <laughs> like you just pass it, but the second oh. time around you pass it a bit faster. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Roller coasters are fun. It's good if you like roller coasters. It's, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone likes roller coasters enough to want to be on it permanently, though. <laughs> no, that's true. Constantly <laughs> going loop de loop de loop de loop. Yeah, yeah, that does sound rough. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it, I, I think you do get your little breaks, though, and you get your peaks and your troughs, and um, and I think it's again, honestly, the the best advice that anyone has ever given me is be here now Mm. um and yeah look like you said it takes work it takes practice but is it it's the best and it's the best journey yeah to embark upon ever uh because well i'm not gonna say why (laughs) why why Rach I can always edit it out although I might not (laughs) (laughs) oh look um I think oh the reason the reason it is the best journey for me ever Hmm. is that I have gained riches uh an emotional oh emotional is not the right word look I've had experiences of connection connectedness bliss rapture knowing empowerment just the most extraordinary experiences ever since and there was a lot of pain Mm. having to face myself and that journey into the center of me (laughs) was like probably the most adventurous journey I've ever embarked upon but it was the most worthwhile because then when you find the truth of who you are you will just move ahead in leaps and bounds Mm. when you discover who you are wow that is just it will blow your mind and and that's why it's rewarding and I can't really put words to it because I think it would take away from the experience and it would never adequately describe it And it makes me think of, you know, those people that say, this is who I am and (laughs) change it. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like, how do you, how would you explain to them that you can, like, obviously it's a choice and that's, that's normally my thing. Well, if, if that's who you are and you can't change it and that's your choice, then. How would I? Yeah. Yeah. How would I explain this concept to them? Well, do you think you'd have a way of saying to a person, because obviously in your new business venture, Mm -hmm. 
I don't know if you've come across anyone who said that. Obviously, if they're looking for life coaching, I'm guessing they're not going, this is who Generally. I am I can't change. <laughs> <laughs> Generally, if- people in that instance are showing up ready to change. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what if they didn't? What if they did? What if someone said, this? but this is just me and I can't change it? Yeah, if someone came up to me with that answer, I mean, obviously, it depends on the person, how much rapport I have with them. Um, whether or not they'd accept any uh, <laughs> tough love. But but honestly, if you think you are something with your mind, that is probably not who you are. And I would be very hesitant to attach labels to myself. The reason being is that I have almost been everything that I said I was never going to be. And, you know, everything that I've said I would not be, I have been. Or everything that I have judged, I have found myself doing. So as in, as people, we change, Mm. we evolve, we grow, our personalities change, our preferences change. The things that we do, the stages of life that we go through, everything is changing. So for you to say, I am this, I can guarantee you that there is another time in your past when you were something else. And I'd be asking my client to look for those times when they were something that was the opposite of that, because I can guarantee they'll find it. Because we are contradictory creatures. You know, we say we're one thing and then we go and do another (laughs) or we go and behave in another way. So I would be hesitant to attach any labels to um, who I am as a person because I mean I'm hesitant to say that I am a surfer yeah but this is I've a been society surfing. we live in though isn't it we we're all about putting people in boxes and labeling everything about ourselves it's it's almost like you need to rewire everyone's brains to say <laughs> that's you exactly are, you are not your job you're not your car you're not your house mm. you know like you're not all these things that you're identifying yourself with. Mm. Like it's when a, you are. Yeah. Well, when you identify with those things, you are limiting yourself and you are not allowing yourself to be available to the true magnificence of what you are because you are so much more incredible and amazing than your car, your job being a parent, being a um, oh, anything, you know, being an authority figure, being being beautiful, being good at something, you know, none of that is who you are. Mm. And and you'll know, you'll know that if you're making that an identity because if that thing disappears or doesn't serve you in some way, you will feel diminished in some way. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Like I, I used to work um, with people leaving defence and a lot of the ones that got forced out, you know, medically uh, had to leave, they had a lot of um, emotional struggle around the fact that they identified so strongly with being in the military mm. that they didn't know who they were without it. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure that comes with a lot of other jobs, like where they've, you know, like sports people that suddenly break something and can't do that professional sport anymore like there's such an attachment with their who they are to that 
thing that they're doing that they don't know who they are without it so it's it it sort of it's in every part of our society at the moment that everything's got a label everything's got a box so then we we don't know who we are without being those things or being attached to those things and it's mm. I don't know where I was going with that thought <laughs> no it's a it's a really good it's a really good point to make uh, and yeah when you see people playing those roles in life they are essentially limiting themselves they don't know it yet mm. and and you also are vulnerable then to your circumstances because you're depending on that thing to give you a sense of self-worth where mm. your self-worth doesn't come from anything it is beyond all of that there is something inside of you that is much more stable than any of the external circumstances that can bolster your self-esteem mm. yeah it's in it's an important lesson we all need to learn i think yeah yeah, yeah. and i think i mean everyone will go through it at some stage because all structures will dissolve and everything will change at some point in time. Mm. And so it's about being able to return to that space of the being here and now, acknowledging how you feel going through that, that process of mourning. Um, Cause the more we resist that emotional process that we go through, the more it's going to keep trying to get our attention. Yeah. You know, if you, so, you know, if you're just trying to push that away because you want to be enlightened, well, that's just not going to happen. It's just going to keep coming back. <laughs> so, and that's what we do. That's what I did when I was um, visiting the ashram all the time and meditating a lot because I basically, basically became, I was one step away from becoming a renunciate. And, um, <laughs> and we do, we try and gloss it over, uh, push it away because, oh, I'm meant to be enlightened. I should know better than this. But it doesn't work like that. And so, yeah, if people are struggling with loss of self because they've lost an external circumstance that gave them a sense of purpose or a sense of who they are, then the best way through that is to be aware of it. Acknowledge, I am feeling this way right now. This isn't who I am. I don't know who I am yet, but I will one day. Mm. You know, just, just be there with that, be there in that moment. And that is where you find your way. Just continuously keep coming back to the moment. It sounds, um, we love to plan things, right? Mm. And so for Western society, that is a really difficult concept. I don't like to plan things. <laughs> You're special. I, 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 I annoy people with my inability to plan things. <laughs> I'm much more of a spur of the moment. Let's do that. Yeah, well. It's about my my uh, my planning things usually revolves around what the surf forecast is doing that day. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, yeah, we're good to meet up. <laughs> did you check out this time slot for the surf? I did. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was planning an early morning surf and then um... <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So you mentioned mentioned some resources earlier. So are there some recommended resources you'd have for, I don't know, beginners that you, you found really helpful yourself that maybe you still refer to? Uh, yeah, I am a huge fan of Eckhart Tolle. Mm -hmm. uh, some people 
I mean, I've read The Power of Now uh, multiple times. Mm. I've actually lost count now. And then we got it on audio. <laughs> does so, he read it? He does, yeah. There you go. Uh, <laughs> look, I highly recommend anything by Eckhart Tolle, but he doesn't gel with everybody. So I would also, another one that I use frequently is Abraham Hicks. Uh, I use a lot of their teachings. I really enjoyed Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. Hmm. Um, these are some really high vibe type things to read. Uh, but if, look, another one that might, a lot of people who are just starting out might really love is a book, if you can read, if you like reading. Uh, there's a book called The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. Yeah, some people don't like reading, right? So it's not, not good for everyone. But <laughs> <laughs> um, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior is actually really well written. It is, um, I don't recommend the movie. Oh, <laughs> it loses, I mean, you can't. The amount of uh, content that is in the book cannot ever be expressed in a movie. It is a masterpiece. It is really well written. It's enjoyable to read. It's adventurous. You can't put it down. But the spiritual lessons in it are quite powerful. Hmm. And for someone starting out, I think that's a really good one. It's, a, it's the way of the peaceful warrior, but then Millman. Cool. I'll put those in the in the show notes so people can check them out. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so we mentioned the fact that you're a life coach. Yes. Do you want to... I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, <laughs> I'm using hand signals, which doesn't work in an audio. <laughs> I'm not sure how to describe that hand signal. I'm going to say, uh, uh, would you like to give us a rundown <laughs> of what your offerings are and all that jazz? So, yeah, sure. I, um, I offer one-on-one -on -one consulting and I also offer programs for people. Um, I'm working on an online program at the moment as well because I know that it can be quite, oh, look, when you engage with the life coach, we hold you accountable and we do make you do the work. Mm. And it can be quite confronting to embark upon that journey, as I've mentioned before. <clears throat> so I do offer a free 30-minute consult um, which you can book through my website, which is soulconnectlifecoaching.com.au. Uh, and that's just to discuss if life coaching is right for you, um, with me especially. So that is something because I know it's, like I said, it's, it can be very, um, it can be tricky to take that first step. Mm. So if you're not 100% sure, I, I I offer a, 30, a free consult, 30-minute free consult. Uh, and, yes, I am working on an online course as well, which is, I think, something that I really enjoy doing. I like doing online courses because you can show up and you get your teacher kind of one-on-one, -on -one, but it's a little. it feels a little bit more comfortable if you're not wanting to be in that vulnerable state of showing up for your one-on-one -on -one session. Mm. All right, so, so Soul Connect Life Coaching on yes. website, Instagram, and you have a Facebook as well, don't you? I do have a Facebook page, yeah. yeah. 
So if anyone wanted to have a chat with me and just discuss more about what we've talked about today, that's absolutely fine. They can book a free 30 minute session with me. No obligation. Just, yeah. Yep. Just a free chat. Just a free chat. Yeah. Good to have a chat sometimes, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. It is. It's very powerful. Yeah. All right. So. I don't know if you wanted to tell me this story today, but Uh I wrote a note. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) You you said crazy (laughs) traffic maniac story was something you wanted to to tell us about. That one could take a while. No, it won't take a while. That's a good story. (laughs) Crazy traffic maniac story. Okay. Now, this is a little bit of a lesson in... Uh, so if you study psychology or life coaching, whatever, you learn about mind reading, which is something a lot of us do, and we project into other people's spaces sometimes and we make judgments and draw conclusions about what that other person must be thinking. Mm-hmm. So this is a bit of a lesson in mind reading in that you don't always know what that person's thinking or where they're at <laughs> emotionally, so it's good to withhold those conclusions and keep an open mind. Uh so Charlie and I were, um, my, my partner Charlie and I were driving in traffic one day and we were heading to the supermarket and we're in dual lanes and <laughs> it was, it was, Charlie's like, get a load of this maniac and there's someone, I could see in the side view mirror, there's someone dodging and weaving through traffic and the funny thing was that they were quite obviously in a hurry and every time they went to overtake, someone would pull out in front of them. So they'd be up that person's backside and then they'd be like, oh, and dart over into the other lane and then they'd end up behind someone else because that person had slowed down. It was hilarious. <laughs> they were obviously in a hurry. They kept getting slowed down and we were just like, oh, what a, you know, what a, not very insert profanity here. <laughs> um, what a jerk, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what, this person just road raging. Anyway. This goes on for a little bit and we finally go into a single lane and Charlie and I turn off into the slip lane ready for the supermarket car park and um, we see this guy and he's now like six cars back and he madly pulls out of the traffic, madly speeds up to the car in front of him, gets up there behind. (laughs) He's like um, harassing still and so we go in and we cruise our way in and we park and this guy rushes around all the other cars skids around the corner goes up to the car park and we get out of our car and we walk slowly <laughs> this guy gets out of his car in front of us races along races straight into the automatic car uh, races straight into the automatic doors of the supermarket races straight into the toilet <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Was that the one where you made the quote, not all assholes are assholes? <laughs> I do not remember that. Yeah. Right, that's yeah. a good, that's a really great, great way to title that story. Yeah. yeah. Not all so, assholes are assholes. Yeah. And yet he, he probably <laughs> had something going on there. With, with, that, with that region. In that vicinity. <laughs> Had it malfunctioning one, perhaps. Or it just, yeah, might, might have ate the wrong thing, <laughs> you know. We don't know. Poor we don't know what was going on there. We still don't know, but yes. I'm guessing it wasn't a wee. 
Let's just say that. <laughs> Probably not a number one, no. Yeah, look, that's just been a real eye-opener for me. That I've had a number of those circumstances where you think this person is angry and impatient, but actually they've got some kind of emergency going on. Mm. Or, you know, the, in traffic, the other one is I've had someone tailgating me and I've looked behind and it's two young girls having a laugh and a chat, <laughs> oblivious to the fact that they're tailgating me. <laughs> they're just having a good time. Yeah, and as you that's, do, that's your, your foot plants on the accelerator when you're having fun. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> I've been in the car with you. <laughs> that's... That's not me tailgating, babe. <laughs> oh, no, not tailgating. No, no, no. That's me driving. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know where yeah. the accelerator is, yes. <laughs> yes, you do. Well, it's fun, right? You, you get on the freeway and you get into a high vibe and you listen to some great tunes and before you know it, you 10Ks over the speed limit, like, whoa, <laughs> better put the cruise control on. <laughs> yes, I use cruise control a lot, actually. Because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise there's just... Too many slow places that you feel like could be so much faster. Yeah. 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 Infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, um, I, I think we've been on for a, a fair while. Uh, do you have any other insights or anything else you want to share? You wish I asked you, you want to share or, you, or you're all good? I feel like we're pretty um, well covered, well rounded here. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on and having a chat today. Thanks for having me. And we, we might get you on again another time, perhaps. Sounds good. <laughs> so that's us done for this episode of I Can Always Do Something Stupid. If you have enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate your support with a five-star rating and a review would be super awesome. No pressure, just lots of love either way. If you have an interesting or funny story of your own for the podcast, I would love to hear from you. DM me on Instagram at catsin.moves or email me at catsinmoves at gmail.com. <laughs>